the following message entitled, The Bible is Enough, Part 2 of the series, God Has Spoken, was given by Joe Ryer on the 14th of September, 2014. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. Good morning, everyone. If you could please find your seats. We're going to get started. If you have a Bible, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's pray. Father, thank you for another Sunday where we get to sing to you and worship you, where we get to worship you through song and through hearing your word preached. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would speak to us through your word today. Lord, we pray that you would strengthen our confidence in your word today, that we would see the Bible as our go-to book for all of life's challenges and circumstances, for all of our understanding about who you are and how you relate to us. Lord, I pray that you would stir us to be more devoted and more dedicated to your word this morning. And Lord, I pray that the result would be more joy and satisfaction in you and a greater awareness of your love and faithfulness in our lives and your commitment to us as individuals and a church. So Lord, I ask for your help. Ask this in your name. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. In a few moments, we're going to start reading verse 14. Uh, My name's Joe. If I haven't met you yet, I'm one of the pastors here. And we are in a series called God Has Spoken. Uh, This is the second message in that series. And today's message is entitled, The Bible is Enough. The Bible is Enough is enough. Well, for those of you who who know me some, you know that my dad is very handy. So I'm not very handy. I'm getting better. But my dad is very handy. He's very good with his hands. He's good with carpentry. He was a machinist by trade. He's very good at car repair. And so if I call my dad who lives four hours away and tell him I'm taking my car to the garage, I experience fatherly disappointment every time. He just well, you're just wasting your money. No, I'm actually saving money by taking it to the garage. But my dad is very handy, so all throughout my childhood, whenever there was a car problem, my dad would fix the car himself. And his favorite guide to fix the car was something called Chilton's Book of Car Repairs. So some of you I know may know what that is. And before the internet, there were paper books, and you could get... <laughs> You could get the book for your make and model of car. So for our Dodge Dart, for our Comet, for our big red station wagon. My dad would always get new cars that were used and somewhat questionable. And so he'd get the new book. And when I was old enough to drive, whatever car I had, he wanted to make sure I had the same manual. So he had great confidence in the Chilton's Auto Repair Maintenance Manual for whatever make and model. It was his go-to book. And imagine for my dad, if so if you go in his garage to this day, he knows there's an internet, but he still likes books. If you went to his garage, you would find one probably for his Subaru Legacy today. And he has great confidence in what they will say. And so that is his go-to resource. Imagine if he had a car problem, and he said, well, I really believe in this manual, but whenever he has a problem, he doesn't go to the manual. He goes to some other source. Even though if you ask him, what's the resource on car maintenance repair? He would say, Chilton's Manual of Car Maintenance Repair. 
But when rubber meets the road, he would go to another source. Well, today, part two of our series in the Bible, we're going to to look at the Bible and examine, is it really our go-to source? Last week, Mark did a great job explaining from Scripture the inspiration and authority of Scripture. And we were all resonating with that. We believe it. We believe God's Word is authoritative, that is inspired by God. It is the absolute authority. And he said a phrase over and over again, maybe a familiar Christian phrase to some of you, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. We believe that as Bible-believing Christians. But the question for us that I want us to think about today Functionally, do we believe it? Is the Bible really enough? Is the Bible sufficient for all our life challenges and problems? One way for you to know how you would answer that question is, is the Bible your go-to source? Think about all the things that have happened in your life over the last year, pressures that have come. Is God's Word where you go for answers? Now, as Mark said last week, we're not talking about like what color shirt you should wear, what kind of pants you should wear, what hairstyle you should have. But in the big ultimate questions of life and death, of living for God, knowing God, pleasing God, is this your go-to source? The technical term for this subject in most systematic theologies is entitled the sufficiency of Scripture. I simplified it to the Bible is enough. Here's a quote by Wayne Grudem on this idea. The sufficiency of Scripture means that Scripture contained all the words of God he intended his people to have at each stage of redemptive history. So as the story of salvation unfolds from old to new, we had God's word. God's people had what they needed to know. And that it now contains everything we need God to tell us for salvation, for trusting him perfectly, and for obeying him perfectly. Did you catch that? The Bible is sufficient. It is enough for everything we need to, God to tell us for salvation, for trusting him perfectly, and for obeying him perfectly. The big idea here is that since the Bible is God's authoritative word, it must be our go-to source for knowing him and living him. It must be our go-to source. And so one of my prayers is that our grip on this book and our resolve for this book would actually grow and strengthen as a result of this message. Because I think in theory, as Bible-believing Christians, we believe that. But when we face health challenges, marriage challenges, relational difficulties, parenting challenges or kids' parent challenges? Is the Bible our go-to source for hope and help? Or is it something else? So the Bible must be our go-to source, which is the first point. It must be our go-to source for knowledge of God and pursuit of God. And I want to start in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3. We start at verse 14. I'm going to read through chapter 4, verse 4. And what I want you to pay attention to to in this text as I read it is all the different things that Paul records about the Bible 
in this section. And keep in mind, he's writing to Timothy, a young leader who has been taught and trained by his mom and his grandma. Lois and Eunice taught him a whole bunch of stuff about God through the Old Testament. So look in your Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and following. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Long before Timothy met the Apostle Paul, he was learning about salvation through faith in the coming Messiah as his mom and his grandmother taught him about Jesus from the Old Testament. All Scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Now, in the original Bible, there was no chapter 4 and a new verse. It was a continual thought and idea. So after he says all Scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work, Paul continues the thought, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, Fulfill your ministry. In this section, Paul's making it very clear that the Bible is to be our go-to source. Young Timothy was able to, to grow wise for all he needed to know about salvation from the Bible. As Mark told us last week, the Bible is literally expired out of God and he inspired Writers to pen every word of Scripture and has been preserved for us. And it's useful, as we're going to see a little bit later. And then Paul wants Timothy to know, as one of God's preachers, that part of his call, his primary call, is to proclaim this word, to teach the revelation about God from this word. And then he tells us something very interesting that I think applies very much to us. For the time is coming, and I would say the time has arrived, when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teacher, teachers to suit their own passions. We're in that time. We have been in that time for a long time that depending on the circle you're in in a given day or week, 
if you tell somebody, I, I believe every word of this book. I believe that there was a Creator who made the heavens and earth. I believe that there was actually a tower that mankind tried to build and then God confused their languages and that's how we got different languages. I believe that God actually flooded the earth and that Noah was a real man in a real boat who was preserved by God. I believe there was a burning bush. I believe there were ten plagues. So you just go throughout the Bible of all the different things that the Bible says and someone who does not know God they might be shocked that there are people in the world who actually believe that to this day. But we really believe it. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we believe every word of this book and we want to be so committed to this book. But it's not enough to just believe it. We need to read it and go to it and spend time in it. The Bible must be our go-to source for our knowledge and pursuit of God. The only things that we need to know that are necessary for salvation are found in this book. We don't know that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead without this book. We don't know that He is returning without this book. We don't know what God is like without this book. Yes, Paul tells us we can learn a few things from creation, but we can't know God personally without the content of this book. This must be our go-to source. And because this is a topical message on the sufficiency of the Bible, I'm going to read a lot of the Bible today. It doesn't seem right to talk about the Bible and why we need to go to it and then not read a lot of it. So if you have a Bible, flip to Psalm 19. Verses 7 through 11. It's one of the clearest passages in the Bible about the Bible and how important it is for us. Psalm 19, verse 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The psalmist is going to use different phrases to describe the Bible. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. If you're new to following Jesus and you don't understand much, the way to wisdom is praying and spending time with the Lord through this book. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, Enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous all together. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward." To be a great psalm to meditate on and think about this week because it's just packed with truth about God's Word. And, and the psalmist compares it it's to be more desired than gold. Now, we don't live in the days where gold was at its peak, but more desired than millions and millions of dollars. 
you think about it, if I had a stack of $100 bills from here to the ceiling, and I had a Bible here, which would you go for? Which would you pursue? God wants us to pursue this. He wants us to pursue Him. And true knowledge comes from spending time with Him in His Word. Now those of you who come here, like you know it's not wrong to have money, it's not wrong to work and have money and buy things, but we don't want to live for them. We don't want to make money our God or our pursuit. We want the Lord to be our pursuit. And I think one of the, the challenges for us is that in the, the 1400s and the 1500s, men and women were dying just for writing this book down for translating this book. The, the Catholic Church had this book chained to podiums throughout the land, and it was written in Latin in many places, and many people couldn't read it. And so when people began to translate it to French and to German, and they heard and they could read with their own eyes God's Word for the first time and understand the Gospel for the first time, coming out of a legalistic context and an immoral context, oh, they saw it as gold. They saw it as the treasure for what it is. And I want us, I want to see it as what it is. It is pure gold. It is, as the psalmist says, sweeter than the honey drippings of the honeycomb. Imagine what you like to taste the most. Something that brings you the most pleasure to your taste buds. That's what this treasure is. And as Tim McKelvey shared a number of months ago, reading the Bible, in many ways, is more like mining for diamonds. Because you might have read the Bible and you say, well, I didn't experience it like gold or it didn't taste like honey. I actually didn't understand what it was talking about. But once you dig in and you spend time day after day, year after year, you will begin to taste and see that the Lord is good as recorded in His Word. The Bible is enough. The Bible is absolutely sufficient. Let me just read one more verse about the Bible and then we're going to... Tr- transition to how do we how do we do this how does the bible actually help us to to face all the things that we we face in our lives first peter peter writes the following in verse 22 through 25 he says having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love love one another earnestly from a pure heart Since you have been born again, or born from above, not of a perishable seed, but of an imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. We were born again through this living, abiding Word of God concentrated in the Gospel. Verse 24, For all flesh is like grass, all its glory like the flower of grass. In other words, all humanity is like grass. And all its glory like the flower of grass. That it it shows up, it grows, 
at peak, it may look wonderful. And then Peter tells us, the grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. God's word endures. We don't in and of ourselves endure. And you think about how opposite this is of the things that we see in culture, a culture that promotes and celebrates health and longevity of life. And, and then you see people at the tail end of these healthy pursuits where their bodies are just fading. And what once was strong and healthy begins to crumble and fade. And it, it still surprises people, which is shocking to me, that, that we're going to get old and die. That our bodies will decay and wither. And the Bible, written long ago, is so clear. It says we're, we're, going, we're like grass. We're like the flower of the field. We're going to fade. But the good news for believers in Jesus, if you hope and trust in Jesus, you, you fade, your, your outer shell fades. But boy, there's a glorious new body when it all culminates one day. And you only will find that out from reading God's Word. When Joe read this morning from the book of Revelation, and we get a glimpse of this bride of Christ in all its splendor, you only learn of that through God's Word. And this is where our brothers and sisters who lived hundreds of years before us were very strong. Their life in most cases was more difficult than ours on average. They buried many children. It was, it was common. It was regular. They, they suffered physically. They didn't have the medical care, nor did they have the technology to make life and work easier that we have. And yet, our brothers and sisters who lived before us really believed this book. And what kept them going is this great, grand reality that Jesus will come back. And that He is enough. And that this Bible is enough. And that's why men like John Bunyan could be in prison with nothing but a cup of water and some moldy bread and write in his prison meditations about the the joy and the nearness to the Lord that he experienced with nothing but a prison cell and God's Word. He experienced the gold, the treasure. So the Bible must be our go-to source to know God and to know how we should live for God. So let's, let's focus on that. What does the Bible tell us about how we should live for God? I want to read another quote that might rub a little bit from a website called gotquestions.org. The author writes, The sufficiency of Scripture is under attack today. And sadly, the attack comes far too often in our churches. Management techniques, worldly methods of drawing crowds, entertainment, extra-biblical revelations, mysticisms, and some forms of psychological counseling all declare the Bible and its precepts are not adequate for the Christian life. But Jesus said, My sheep 
hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. His voice is all we need to hear, and the Scriptures are His voice, completely and utterly sufficient. Let me just qualify this slightly. It doesn't mean that many of these things do not have their proper place. A good psychologist, a good business manager, uh, people that are very techy and good with technology can all have its place. But the author is saying they're not primary. They should not be the primary go-to source for any of our pursuit of God or to find out how we should live as Christians. God has spoken through His Word and is to be our go-to source. Some of those things have many benefits, but they shouldn't be primary. And when they become primary, we get off track. We go out to sea in many ways. The Bible must be our go-to source to know how we should live. 2 Timothy 3.16 All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Mark spent a lot of time on this passage last Sunday. I just want to note a few things. That it is profitable. All of Scripture, every page, every word is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Godly living. That the man of God may be complete, equipped, or your translation may say thoroughly equipped. Meaning that it is totally sufficient to equip you for life and pursuing Jesus from this point to the point where you meet Him. It is absolutely, entirely, completely sufficient. For the remainder of our time, I just want to pick a few areas and show you how the Bible should be our go-to source and how it is useful and sufficient. One of the incredible things about the Bible, because it was written by God, it is so insightful for every century and every generation known to man. Because in many ways, our cultures change, our technology changes, but our hearts don't change, our inside workings don't change, and and so God is so perceptive. So I'm just going to pick a couple. The the first one is, the Bible must be our go-to source as we battle with the cares and snares of this world. The Bible must be our go-to source So we battle with the cares and snares of this world. I was praying about, there's many areas that the Bible applies to, but I was thinking of, what are some of the big ones that we see as pastors or we know in our own hearts affect us? I think for many of us, and Jesus warned about the cares of the world that that come like thorns and thistles and wrap around us and choke the life out of us. They're the things that we wake up in the morning feeling and thinking about, and we get anxious and worry about. They, they hang there. Well, the Bible has a lot to say about those kind of cares, whether it's the pursuit of a career and money, whether it's the, just the, the worry that I'll have enough money to pay the bills. The Bible, this has been my experience with the Bible year after year. It's like this morning when I drove in, 
it was so foggy on 119, I could hardly see the road. And now the sun has come up, burnt the fog away. Well, I wake up many mornings in the fog of worry or fear or anxiety or the pressures of this life. And what happens very often is as I read God's Word, the fog just lifts and I see Him and I see His perspective and I experience joy and I experience faith for what is going to face me that day. So I just want to read a few verses that help along this way. For those of you who are tempted to pursue success in money or sports or hunting and fishing to the neglect of things that are primary to the Lord, this is what the Lord would say to you. For what will it profit a man, and this could be a woman, if he or she gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? What will it profit if we spend our whole life on pursuing something that's for us and not for the Lord? Well, that one verse will cut through the fog of your priorities. And it will make it clear that no... Joy and satisfaction is never found in career advancements or our hobbies. And I do hobbies. I like hobbies. I'm an anti-hobbies. We just don't want to live for them. Because what will it profit if you gain the whole world and you forfeit your soul? And the reason I want you to know this is because all the joy and satisfaction, and happiness that maybe we're trying to find in other things, it's all found in Jesus. And verses like this just cut right through that fog and remind us, no, it's all found in Jesus. Or maybe it's just the, the pursuit of money. Maybe you're young and your, your number one dream is to be rich. Or maybe you're wealthy and your, your dream is to be wealthier. Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. We see commercials and advertisements and celebrities and it all looks wonderful. But then we see their lives crumble and fall apart. And some of the wealthiest people in the world, near their deathbeds, just full of sadness and regret. And it's often because they found out all they were living for never satisfied. And then you have the the widow with her might, who had nothing. And Jesus commends her. She had nothing. And out of the nothing that she had, she gave it all away. And boy, did she have joy and satisfaction in the Lord. So the Bible will help us cut through the cares and worries. Matthew 6, I have spent many hours over the years in, in this section of the Bible. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And then it Verse 34, Jesus says, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. 
For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient is the day for its own trouble. And he exhorts us to seek the kingdom first. So if the Bible is our go-to source and you're under financial pressure, then your go-to plan isn't a new budget, isn't a new work strategy. All those things are important, but you need peace from God, and that's going to come from your relationship with God by pursuing Him first and seeking Him first and then being responsible to do what you need to do. Well, the Bible must be our go-to source to help us not get ensnared by the cares that choke, choke us at times. The Bible must be our go-to source when we encounter sickness, sadness, sorrow, and suffering. This will be the, the final one. The Bible must be our go-to source when we encounter sickness and sadness, sorrow and suffering. One of our prayers as pastors is that we as a church will be prepared for suffering. Suffering will happen. It has happened to many of you. And it will continue to happen because we live in a fallen world. That is not how it was originally intended to be. But when we walk through these difficulties... Can I plead with you, appeal to you, do not close this book when life gets the darkest you've ever experienced. Don't don't shut this book. The psalmist said, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Think about when you need that lamp and that light the most. When life is most difficult. When darkness is upon you. When things do not make sense. When your world as you know it is beginning to crumble. We need to encounter the Lord and His Word that will not wither, that will not fade, that will not pass away. And I understand, I really understand at times what it's like to open the Bible and the words don't click. They don't make sense. They don't seem to penetrate. I understand that, but I appeal to you, keep reading, keep praying, keep asking, keep talking to the Lord. Ask your friends to pray for you and with you. But don't close this book. If you remember in the Gospel of John, Jesus had just taught a very hard saying and many of the the followers left Jesus. And John records, he says, After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? He had just taught something very difficult. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where are we going to go? So when we are in the middle of sickness, sorrow, sadness, and suffering. If we don't go to the Lord, what do we have? Who are we going to? Jesus is the great shepherd. He cares for you tenderly. He promises to shepherd you through the difficulty that you're in. So please, for your own sake and your own peace and joy, When you suffer, 
Make this your go-to source. This is why Psalm 23 is read so often at funerals, because it is true for all the believing loved ones. Listen to this familiar psalm. And remember, Jesus is the Good Shepherd. We know that from the New Testament. The psalmist writes, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not lack. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Since the Bible is God's authoritative word, inspired word, it must be our go-to source for living for Him and for knowing Him. Let's pray and the band can come up. Lord, thank You for the treasure we have in Your Word. Lord, thank You for all that we learn about You from Your Word. Thank You that Your Word says as a father has compassion, so do You have compassion on us. Thank You that as far as the east is from the west, our sins have been removed from us if we trust in You. Lord, I pray as we sing this final song that You would encourage Your people. You would strengthen them. You would strengthen our grip and our pursuit of You through reading Your Word and spending time with You in Your Word. And Lord, for all those who are in dark and difficult places right now, bring comfort and peace and truth to them through Your Word and from Your people. Lord, we love You and we look to You and we ask all this in Your name. Amen.